Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers' favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Hello and welcome to Sixers Fix, your brand new Adelaide 36ers podcast. And I'm Chris Pike, but clearly nobody's here to listen to me. If you want to check out some of my work, head to the Adelaide 36ers website, the NBL website, and, and you can find out more there. So that's me out of the way. You're all here for, for the man that's co-hosting with me. And let's be honest, he's going to be doing most of the talking throughout this season. So get used to his voice. Scott Ninnis, a South Australian basketball legend, Adelaide 36ers great. Thanks for joining us. Oh, that is my pleasure. I'm not sure that anyone likes uh, getting used to my voice. Uh, I'm sure my wife tells me that from time to time. But no, it's, look, it's, it's very exciting to be here. Um, obviously, you know, the Sixers moving to the entertainment, the centre this year, and uh, it's a new season, which is always an exciting time of the year. Not that you need much of an introduction, Scott, because most people listening who are Adelaide 36ers fans will be well well aware of what you achieved. But a little bit of a rundown on, on what you've done during your career, both as a player and a coach, you probably won't like this too much, but bear with me. This is our first show. Um, 318 games in the NBL, 233 of which were, of course, at the Adelaide 36ers. Championships in 1986 and 1998. You were also assistant coach in 99 and 2002. So you were the only only man that was involved in all four NBL championships for the 36ers, which puts you obviously in very, very unique company. Um, fantastic playing career, obviously. Five grand finals in the NBL, also won a championship at the Southeast Melbourne Magic. Fantastic career in, in South Australia as well at the Panthers where you won won four championships and and you're a legend of that club as well. And then you moved into coaching and, and that worked out really well for you for, for a decade, Scott, and obviously culminated in a couple of years as a head coach of the 36ers and and since then, um, life's taken a bit of a different tra- tra- trajectory. Obviously, your your playing and coaching career speaks for itself. Can you can you just fill in some of our listeners in on what you've been doing in the decade since? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, look I was really fortunate, I, I guess, to come into the thirty sixes in an era that you know, in, in the most successful team, well, certainly from a win loss perspective yeah. of all time, the Invincibles in 1986 uh, under Ken Cole and you know, winning a championship in your first year, you sort of think it's you're going to start doing that every year. Mm-hmm. It took me, took me another six years to win one with the Southeast Melbourne Magic, which probably from uh, you know, an individual point of view will go down as my my very favourite uh, uh, championship and then at the tail end of my career to get involved as a player under Phil Smythe and then be, be under uh, assistant coach with him and, and, and win another three champs at that time. It's, you know, basketball such a been such an important part of my life. Uh, you know, then to end up being head coach of the team that you, you loved as a player and uh, um, to get to the honour of doing that. Unfortunately, that uh, little segment of my life didn't end up all that well, and uh, uh, which is well documented. And that's, yeah, that's the way it goes. Uh, you know, you get into coaching, you know, at some stage you're going to get your marching orders. But you're right, mate. Uh, life's taken a very different path to me. Um, I've uh, I've got my own 
small private wine tour business, uh, premium wine tours. Uh, we only do very small personalised group uh, to the Barossa, McLaren Vale, Adelaide Hills and Langhorn Creek here in Adelaide. And I love every second of it. I'm, I'm one of those very, very fortunate people that was able to, you know, play the sport that I loved growing up as a kid uh, and get paid to do it for, <laughs> for 13 years and then another seven or eight years as a coach and then, when that came to a screeching halt, to be able to find something else that I'm passionate about in the wine industry, I, I, I love my wines and I, I'm fascinated by the industry, uh, to be able to do that and be able to showcase showcase South Australia's incredible wine uh, wine regions to the world is uh, is something I, I love doing and, uh, yeah, very, very fortunate. Fantastic, and obviously, as we head down the path on this journey, we can certainly chat about about that a lot more. Um, it was only it's it's only fair, I think, if you after the the head coaching stint ended, if you didn't immediately have a love for the thirty sixes straight away. But now that a bit of time has passed, is your passion for the club pretty pretty strong again? And and is that where your your heart lies? Oh, absolutely. Oh, look, there's no question. There was some. Uh... There were some bitter days uh, mm. after that happened, and we'll be perfectly honest with you, there were some some bitter years. And yeah. uh, I guess from my perspective, is you know a lot of you know the people that were involved at that at that particular junction of the club uh, are no longer involved, and um, uh, and. You know, that's, uh, I don't know if you call that karma in mm. some instances or, or not, but, you know, shit happens. I mean, yeah. that is just, that is the nature of the beast. Um, it, it it wasn't so much just getting the sack of the time. It's, it's uh, what they put me through is, because I still had a year to go on my contract, yeah. which um, almost became a, well, not almost became a legal battle and, and there was nothing pleasant about that at all. Um, but, you know, there, there was some still some people at that time that uh, helped me through it, and and you know, I mean, it's such a big part of my life. I, I think what's what's really exciting for myself and for Brett, uh, who we spoke to tonight, is you know the current group, the current ownership group, have got us fairly heavily involved as as past players in in making some of the decisions moving forward with this move to the entertainment centre. So it's great to feel part of it again. And uh, and I think there's there's such a you know, a resource, such a such a knowledge base here with people like, you know, Brett and myself and, and a bunch of others as well. So yeah, we we're feeling a real attachment to it now and uh uh yeah, bring on Saturday night. We're very yeah. excited. Yeah, I think that's great to hear. Oh wanted to get your thoughts on the move to the entertainment centre as well because you you went to the preseason game and, you know, six thousand people there for a preseason game is already a huge tick that the club's made the right decision. It it might not have been a popular decision with everybody, but I think ultimately it's going to be a decision that sets up the club moving forward and and, and will be a, a decision that is looked back on very, very positively. We don't always like change here in Little Old yeah. Adelaide, mate. It's, uh, it's 27, 28 years uh, at the one venue and, and it, any move is is going to be met with some sort of trepidation, and and, and that's completely understandable. But um, I think the club, in a way, was you know this was forced upon them a, probably a little bit earlier than than maybe what they would have liked. But 
you know, the entertainment centre themselves is so heavily invested in this, and and the money they've spent themselves on the on the new scoreboard cube, you know, on it bringing a court in from Germany, on the the rings and baskets, you know, they're they're making change rooms to NBA standards, mm-hmm. and that that's just the entertainment themselves, entertainment centre themselves, and uh, you know, from a uh, you, you know, from a public transport, it, it's just so much easier to get to. Uh, the thing that Brett and I spoke to, you know, I only went to a, you know, maybe three or four games last year because obviously in the summer season, yep. it was 35 degrees here, well, 40 degrees mm. in, during January and February. You know, the, the, um, the, the old place was unbearable to yep. go to, you know, like it's just the air conditioning. It tried its hardest, but it just just was awful. So to be able to know that on on any given day, no matter what the temperature is, you can go into a stadium with proper air conditioning. Uh, you know, there's not no bad seats in the place. It's I, I think it's a very, very exciting time for, for South Australian basketball. Yeah, I think so too. And let's hope it's packed out Saturday night when the Brisbane Bullets come to town. First home game of the season. Make sure you get your tickets at, at Ticket Tech because we want that place to be to be rocking and we want Nathan Soby and Jason Cadee and company to be to be feeling every one of those seven or eight thousand 36ers fans, obviously. Um, now let's get to the the main event of this of this, Scott. No one's here to no one's here to listen to me too much. But when you talk about South Australian and Adelaide 36ers royalty, there's you, then there's Brett Maher, um, an absolute legend of Australian basketball. Obviously, his career record speaks for itself. Um, but your relationship with him has been it's been a long one. It's been a I'm sure it's it's been one of the highlights of your life. Can you just talk through quickly before we get into your chat with him? Just how just how that relationship and how strong it is between the the two of you. Oh, look, I think that's the um, you know that's the beauty about sport and and being involved with people is it brings people together from different walks of life who in different circumstances you know may not have even met each other. I mean, Brett's uh, you know quite a bit younger than me, maybe. He's much younger. Uh, he's seven or eight years younger than me, and uh, you, you know we struck up a friendship straight away. I came back from um, uh, from from Melbourne with the with the Southeast Melbourne Magic. Brett had already completed his rookie year, and uh, you know we, we had some incredible talent in those those first couple of years with with guys like Robert Rose and Mark Davis and Brett coming on as a youngster. You know Mike McKay, Phil Smythe, um, you know young Chris Blakemore. Um, but yeah, I think Brett and I hit it off right from the start, and uh, uh, our friendship has endured the years. Um, you know, we've had a lot of success along the way. Um, he's now been best man at uh, both my weddings. Mm. Uh, he's promised he will never do it for a third time. <laughs> and uh, uh, but uh, yeah, we've. Uh, oh, I think you know the term superstar is used fairly loosely bandied, bandied around these days but I mean you know Brett embodies that you know you, you, his, his record speaks for himself a triple Olympian um, you know captain of the of the 36ers for so long winning three championships um, but you know, with with a lot of superstars, you know, you have the ego to go with it, and, and Brett certainly don't don't worry. He is fairly sure about his uh, confident about his ability, <laughs> but but he's he's just a knockabout bloke, and, and you know, you, you won't find anyone that says a bad word about him. And I think in this day and age, to have achieved the success you have and, and still keep a level head in your shoulders speaks volumes for the for the type of person he is. Absolutely. Let me take a back seat now and. 
And let's give you a, a rare opportunity, 36ers fans. Have a listen to, to Scott and Brett Maher sitting down over a, over a glass of red and, and having a chat because it's, it's certainly fascinating listening and let's hope you enjoy it. Well, here we are for the very first edition of Sixers Fix uh, with Scott Ninnis. We thought we'd go straight to the top, uh, edition one, and uh, chatting with uh, 36ers legend uh, Brett Maher. Uh, welcome, Brett. Thanks, Chu. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problems at all. Uh, lovely to be here. Um, look, let's get straight into it. Uh, 36ers uh, first game of the season. Uh, not a memorable one. 102 to 80 loss against the Sydney Kings in Sydney. Um, what was your take on the game? Oh, look, I think they're always going to use jet lag as a bit of an excuse for this, unfortunately, after the pumping they got in Utah. But we'll probably touch on that in a minute. But, uh, yeah, it was just a little disappointing. I think uh, Sydney got out on them early, and uh, that's what they needed to do, just put them away early, and they did. There wasn't much fight from uh, the 36ers, and it wasn't uh, a lot of real good signs, maybe a few offensively, but not certainly down the defensive end. Oh, look, I, no, I think you're right. I think the trip to Utah, you know, I mean, that can't be understated. Uh, you know, that's a long way to travel to kick off the season. And, and I think probably moving forward, it's something the league probably needs to look at. It's been great for the NBL, obviously. But if you're a head coach in this competition in your uh, first, uh, you know, first regular season game, well, when you should be playing your first regular season game, you're playing on the other side of the world. Uh, that logistically has its own set of, uh, I guess, troubles. But uh, then to come back and try and you know, come up against uh, one of the best teams in the competition was always going to be difficult. Yeah, and I think uh, Sydney were playing some really good basketball. They moved around. Who I was really impressed with was their coach. I think he uh, had some really good comments in his timeouts and came across exceptionally well and had them running and he knew how to communicate with them very well, whereas uh, Adelaide just looked a little disjointed. They've got a lot of new players that they're trying to blend in and I think it's going to take them uh, probably a third of the season at least to really hit their straps. Yeah, but I don't think they're going to have a third of the season, unfortunately. No, no. Oh, on the same, I thought Will Weaver was outstanding. I thought exactly what you're saying. I mean, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of, you know, probably ageing talent as well. But um, he had them running some really good basketball. His messages were were very clear. Um, you know, got a great game out of Brad Newley. Um, you know, Lish hit some big shots uh, early on. And um, I thought they looked very good. Now, let's, let's also be realistic. You would think not a lot of teams are going to beat Sydney and Sydney this year. No, I don't think so. I think they, they're going to finish up near the top of the ladder. I think what was disconcerting about the Adelaide effort is uh, defensively, they just were given up. In both the Utah game and the Sydney game, a lot of open shots. Their rotations were very slow and they just looked disjointed, I think is the best word to explain it. They weren't rotating very well and Sydney were getting... A lot of open shots and hitting them, and same with Utah. I think the thing that's maybe a little disconcerting is, you know, your, your two best players are Jerome Randall and Daniel Johnson, both elite scorers in this competition, and they're, they're you know, they're both going to give you 20 points a game most nights. Now, I doubt whether either of them are going to be in contention for Defensive Player of the Year at <laughs> that season's end. Um, and, and look, to, you know, don't you don't have to be have great individual defenders to be very good team defensively, and we've seen that 
perhaps with a few of our championship teams back in the day as well. But you do need to have your team defensive structure right. And, and I think what you're saying is right. Like to give up that many wide open threes and, and not even have players trying to run them off the line. Yeah, must have been pretty disconcerting for Joe, right? Yeah, I would think so. Offensively, though, I saw some glimpses uh, that made me a bit excited. Uh, Johnson had, I mean, he poles in his points and you, you're going to get that from him um, I think there was a lot of athleticism showed uh, by some of the guys in the team and I, I would like to see some guys that aren't that offensively orientated, guys like Tease and White uh, unleashed at the defensive end that's where they're going to be at their strongest and that's where they're at their most annoying for opposition teams to just get up and in people's faces and get uh, that sort of that's contagious amongst amongst your team, and I'd like to see that sort of defense. And I think you need those sort of players to drive that. And I, look, I thought, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of positives in the game, but I thought Drimmick led that a little bit defensively. Mm. I thought he he got up and in and got a couple of couple of really nice steals and, and wide open layups. And I think you're right when you've got that that sort of second unit of Kevin White and Tees in particular. You know, they're going to have to be right up and into people defensively and, and let's face it Kevin White's made a you know made a career out of that and uh, I, I, I just think moving forward that you know the, you know that uh, you know Randall and Johnson are going to get their points I think that next that second tier of play and I'm talking you know Drimmick I'm talking Froling I'm talking Ramon Moore I'm talking Daniel Dillon I think those guys are going to have to play every week for us to to win games and make the playoffs. I think that's, you know, and whether that's harsh on those guys or not, but I think that middle-tiered group of players we've got are going to have to play well every week. Yeah, they've got to step up. There's a few guys that have been with the team now for a while in Drimmick and Froling, and, uh, yeah, I'd really like to see them um, improve this year. And uh, I was talking before we went to air on the podcast about Froling. I'd like to see him try and emulate a player such as the Joker from Denver, Jokic, and um, one of the best passers in the league, one of the best scorers, similar body type when you compare them um, in comparison to leagues. Uh, I'd like to see him really study someone like him and, and try and emulate a player like him because I think he could certainly raise his game, maybe not quite to that level, but I, I think he could be around uh, around the mark. Well, I think, you know, when you, you talk about Daniel Johnson and Froling, you, you know, they've got a skill set that you don't see from a lot of big guys in this league. They can stretch the floor. I actually think they're a really good matchup for someone like Bogut who doesn't want to, you know, defend from the... was not going to defend from the three-point line. So, you know, they can certainly stretch the floor, but also, you know, they're... They're both six foot eleven. You know they're pushing seven foot. You know they need to get to their back of the basket and and you know get a pat, couple of pet moves. And we, we spoke earlier off air about Ty Wesley from Melbourne United, who unfortunately looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks. But you know he's the best post player in the competition. You know get your ass down there. You know get some easy baskets, and then the you know the outside game will open up for them from there. Yeah, I don't mind DJ more so stepping out because he's got such a quick first step and that's where he's going to beat a lot of the big guys. But Froling, not as quick, not as athletic. I'd prefer to see him down in the post on the post moves. DJ, I don't mind popping out. And he's a real hard matchup for yep. someone like Bogut. And speaking of Bogut, how good was that dunk he did when he went behind his bag? I was 
I had to replay it about three times was just to rewatch it. A little bit of a throwback, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was an outstanding move. And um, look, you know, they were able to win that game with him playing minimal minutes, and that's a great sign for the Sydney Kings going forward where he doesn't have to play 35 minutes a game for them to be successful. Um, I just want to touch on uh, Griffin for the 36ers. Uh, you know, I've seen some great things, you know, pre-season and, and I think he's going to be a very good player in this competition. As with most uh, most of the people that come out here from the States, there's that adjustment period, isn't mm, there? There is. And, yeah, he found out in, what, just under 10 minutes. So I've seen it happen so many times as you have, and I think you're alluding to that fact that it takes a while to adjust to our referees, our style of play. You can't be quite as physical and, and the way... Uh, you could potentially get away with fouls in the D League and, and other leagues in the States. You can't do that here. You're going to get caught, and he's got to make a very quick adjustment or he's going to find himself, unfortunately, for the Sixers sitting on the bench, isn't and he? he? Look, and he needs, to, he needs to be one of our better players. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, we talked about some of the guys who I think you know need to play well every week for us to win, but you know I think he needs to be in that, you know, that core group of our top three or four players for us to be successful. I, look, I think he's probably could be an, uh, an upgrade on Jacob Wiley. Um, but, you know, he's going to have to adjust, like you said, to the refereeing. Um, but I'm pretty sure that uh, he'll be able to do that. I was uh, really excited by uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, I thought he had one really nice dunk uh, going baseline. He got a nice pass and a nice dunk off yeah, I, over I a Sydney player. I, I, yeah, I thought, shows, I thought he showed some really, really good signs, and, and I think he was probably rewarded by that. By I think he started maybe the second half. But, uh, you know, once again, I mean, Joey runs a fairly... Yeah, you know, a lot of people get to play minutes. So if you're mm. going to play well, you're going to get your opportunities. And I think that as a player, that's that's really a good way to play when you've got a coach who's going to reward you uh, if you're playing well. Yeah, I think um, just looking at that game, and it's hard to criticise considering the situation with the the flights coming back, etc. After Utah, but um, McVeigh, I think, has has been touted as one of these young guys coming through. I'd really like to see him step up this year. He didn't have the best first game, but I'd like to see how he bounces back this week against Brisbane uh, because I think he's one of the ones that can really turn that corner for the Sixers and set a bit of the pace and the tone. Yeah, look, I'd be fair to say there wasn't a lot to write home about about the Utah <laughs> game or the first game against the Sydney Kings. And look, I'm I'm hoping that you know in a few weeks' time we're sitting back talking about well, you know, just the sheer logistics of travel. Um, you know, coming back against playing against the Sydney Kings in Sydney, we can put that behind us. And and obviously, I guess that brings us forth now to to this Saturday night, uh, the first game in a new venue at the Entertainment Centre. Uh, you and I have been fortunate enough to be involved with a bit of behind the scenes with that. Uh, how excited are you about seeing the 36ers play at the Entertainment Centre? Yeah, well, I went and s- I've seen the venue once. I didn't get to their first pre-season game there, but I was really impressed by. The, the setup of it, the cube in there is amazing. And I'm really excited to see, hopefully, as they're touting, hopefully between eight and 10,000 people roll in and set a really good atmosphere in there. 
plus the stuff they're going to have on before the game with the unveiling of uh, the singlets and the... Oh, and yours, um, yours in particular, uh, well, obviously. Of course, that Name one. on the court. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the championship banners, we're going to have a lot of past championship players there. And also the wall, uh, the wall of fame, the walk of fame is going to be up. So I'm really excited to see all of that. Plus they're going to have kids zones, etc., at the front. So it should be a really good night. I think it's, look, I think it's really exciting. And once again, I think kudos, you know, to, to, the, to the club and, and Ben Kavanagh and the people behind the scenes, but also to Phil King, the general manager of the Adelaide Entertainment Centre, the work that they've done and the money that's been invested you talked about the cube, and and I was told that that would shrink the venue. It was that big, <laughs> and I saw the preseason game. It was incredible. The floor looks fantastic. You know, the the, the rings have been bought in. You know, the the change rooms are NBA standard. I, I'm excited, and you know, probably not so much this time of the year. But when it's 35 degrees, it's going to be nice to go to a stadium that is actually air-conditioned properly as well. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And before we get to the Brisbane game, can I ask you a question? What are your thoughts on Randall coming in, like, very late in the piece (sighs) and how they handled that transition with one import going out, him coming in? I thought it was quite classy myself how they let him at least stay on for the Utah game, but although he didn't get much court time, but the idea of having him there playing in that game on a big stage, but having Randall come in, uh, it's a very interesting late addition to the team. I, I think it blindsided most people. Um, you know, I mean, the you know, when they finished up with Randall a couple of years ago, it didn't necessarily end on good terms. Um, but the guy's, you know, the guy's a proven scorer. He's an MVP of the league. Um, but, yeah, I think time is going to tell if it's the right move or not right move. But I think they had to make a move. And they've got a proven commodity. They've got a guy who can win you some games. Um, you know, maybe they thought there wasn't enough of a scoring punch there with, with what they've had. So... But, yeah, it, it certainly caught me off guard and, and came as a surprise to a lot of people. Um, he'll put bums on seats. He's exciting. Um, he's been here before, um, and hopefully he can lead us to the playoffs. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it caught everyone off guard. Um, yeah, I hope he, he's now been around the league for a long time in Adelaide. He's been in Sydney. He should know the league inside out, and I, I hope that just... His influence on especially the younger players now and the rest of the team, he can really bring them along for the ride and it doesn't turn into a one-man show that he can kind of incorporate the rest of the team because we're going to need that to be successful. When you look at the lists of your Perth, um, the two Melbourne teams, your Sydney team, even like in New Zealand, Brisbane, they've got some very good lists and for us to compete and not be playing off... Uh, second last, third last or last then uh, we're going to have to make um, some big plays but also make this a bit of a fortress at home aren't we? You have to you know to to make the playoffs you take care of your home base Mm. you win your home games you you know it's difficult to win on the road in this competition there's a lot of travel, Perth, Cairns New Zealand just, just from where we are here in Adelaide, you take care of that home business you're going to set yourself up to be in good shape. And, uh, look, it certainly starts this week. Just just to touch on Jerome Randall, uh, he's an elite scorer. He's going to score plenty. He's going to have 30-point games. 
Um, but we cannot just sit and watch him do his run the show and, and no one else touches the ball. And, and you know, Joey and KB and the, and the coaches are well aware of that, but he's going to be able to score you know, when things are drying up for you, and that's got to be a good thing. Also, this is kind of the first time in 20 years where the team isn't getting to train where they're playing. That's the one advantage that the Sixers have always had um, since Titanium Arena, where we've been able to train day in, day out of the venue, but now going to the entertainment centre, it's it's going to be a bit of a foreign environment still for the 36ers. But it's stiff shit. I mean, it's, it's basically... <laughs> I mean, it's we've been so... Like you said, we've been so lucky to be able to oh. train where we play for this amount of time. No one else does that. Yeah. You, know, you might get to train there, you know, on the on game day. Yeah. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you're professionals, you're playing in a stadium that, you know, the, the dimensions are still the same. And you got the home fans. That's you got the, the home fans. But you're right, it's been such a huge advantage for us over the last 28 years or whatever it's been. And that's a bit of a shame, you know, to be able to, to, to you know, have something that, uh, you know, we have had a lot of success at, but time moves on. And like I said, uh, I'm looking forward to being able to go to a game when it's 40 degrees and not uh, and, and not, be, not be in a sweat box as well. So. And this Brisbane game, I think it should be a cracker. I think it's going to be very close. I think, you know, I've seen a bit of Brisbane earliest, uh, you know, being uh, led by a good mate of uh, ours, Andre Lamanis, mm. who, who did, once again, really unlucky at the World Champs. Um, but he's a, he's a tremendous coach, great knowledge of the game. Um, probably, I think it's probably a good time to get them. I think they might be, perhaps, may have an import change, uh, just from what I've seen, you know, at some stage over the next few weeks. But you know you've got some players coming back here that are going to want to play well. Nathan Sobey is the one that springs to mind. Yeah. He's had a couple of very good games. Uh, you know, Jason Cadiz been here. You know, he's now coming off the bench and probably playing the role that he's better suited for. So, um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I For three quarters of their last game versus uh, uh, the Phoenix, it was a really entertaining game. And, uh, you know, they got blown out towards the end, but they've got a lot of talent and they're going to be really tough to beat here. I, in all honesty, haven't seen a lot of them, but you look through their list, there's a few ex-Adelaide players on there, <laughs> so they're going to love coming back to Adelaide and have something to prove when you... Sobeys has played well in the first few games. you got Kadee, who was here, Gibson, who was here, uh, Kyle Adnam, who was here. No, they play for the Phoenix. Uh, yeah, sorry, I got it on the list. Brett Marr, ladies and gentlemen. No, that's uh, we're playing the yeah. Brisbane Bullets oh. this week. Hodgson well, why'd you give me the Phoenix list, you <laughs> idiot? Right, Brisbane. Yeah, well, you got Sobey, haven't you? Sobey, Hodgson. And Hodgson. And Kadeem. Well, yeah, and, and you're Hodgson. On the, you're on the right track. <laughs> Can we edit this bit? Surely. Um, what sort of show are you running? Uh, but Matty Hodgson only played 9 minutes 17. Is he, do you know if he's injured or not? Well, he didn't play. You'd, you'd have to probably him. guess a bit of foul trouble, wouldn't you? Well, you'd um, expect him to play a bit more than that. Um, if you look at the stats, he only had two fouls. So oh, I'm thinking he might be carrying something early in the season. Well, the other thing is they, they you know, they, they've unveiled a big boy there, Will Magne, who, you know, has been around the program for a couple of years. He was very impressive in the last game. He, he athletic, good size. You know, looks to block shots. Um, so, you know, he got rewarded with minutes that, uh, you know, maybe even Andre wasn't expecting. But I, I was really impressed with him. And he's, 
you know, he was aggressive and, yeah, once again, DJ and Froling, you, know, you can't sleep in a guy like that. They're going to have to, they're going to have to, uh, yeah, play well defensively against a guy like that. And Tarangi always plays well in Adelaide. He's one of those guys that comes in, no matter how bad his season is, he's going to give Adelaide 20. We've managed to do that over the years, haven't we? <laughs> uh, give some people some career games, and uh, that actually might be my fault and probably your fault at some stage oh. as well. But uh, Probably we do, your fault. We do, we do have a history of letting guys play, play really well here. Now, what I can say is watching Patterson in that game against the Phoenix... Uh, you know, I thought I was looking at the MVP of the league for three quarters. He ran out of steam, and you'd probably suggest that he may not be in the in, best shape in of his life, career shape at the moment. But to score thirty points, and, and he, you know, he looked like he was going to score forty plus at one stage. But uh, he can beat you in a number of ways, and uh, you know, we're really going to have our work cut out. I, I don't see a great matchup for us with him. So once again, team defensively. You know, we're really going to have to be on ball, you know, have our rotations right, and, you know, they just cannot uh, cannot play defensively like they did, did against the Kings. Well, Sobey's probably their standout performer at the moment, isn't he? Who who would you whack on him for the first uh, first encounter? Well, I'm not sure. I think we Ramon... should know how he plays, I'm sure, shouldn't we? I'm sure Ramon Moore will probably get first, first crack at him, and I don't think you can put Randall on Sobey because... You know, Sobey's got good size. He's, he's sort of 6'3", six, 6'4", six, as is Ramon Moore. Once again, we know how he plays. You've got to keep him out of the open court. You know, let him be a playmaker and distributor, but you let him get on the rim. You let him you let him you know, swing from the ring a couple of times. Uh, yeah, he's, he made some tough shots. Yeah, let him make those tough perimeter shots with a hand on him. Let him be a distributor, but you bring that, let that elite athleticism into a game and it could be a long night. You know who I reckon is going to be the key to the game is Cameron Glidden. He, he had a fairly slow first game, but I have seen him light up the sixes. He always has a good game as well from three. If we let him have the open shots that we let Sydney have, he is going to really penalise us. He is a great knockdown shooter when he's left open, his feet are set. I think he is going to be a real big one. Sobey obviously gets on runs and he's a streak scorer. Yeah. But Glidden, if he's left open, I think he's going to be a, a big one. And he's a pretty unflappable sort of player. Like, he just goes about his business. Nothing seems to bother him too much. But, but you're right. Um, we allow those open, wide-open three-pointers that we, we allowed against the Sydney Kings, especially with someone like Glidden, or I guess anyone in the league, pretty much. Um, it's going to be a very long night. You know, I haven't seen much of their imports. You touched on a couple there, but I haven't seen much of them. I'm keen to see how they perform. It's always interesting watching imports at the start of the season, how they adjust coming in. Like good, They can often be very up and down and choppy. Even when someone like KB came in, we thought he was going to be shipped out in the first <laughs> two weeks, but he came on and obviously was a superstar of the league. But, um, yeah, often the form in the first game isn't something we can judge them on. It'll be interesting to see how they come in and play in Adelaide. I think. And, you know, once again, you know, Ramon Moore now is established in this competition. I, I, I love his, his talent. I think he needs to be aggressive. I don't think he can sit back and just... He, he needs to be one of the prime movers in this team, offensively and defensively, and I think he has the ability to do that. I mean, you go back a couple of years ago, he was our finisher. You know, when there was a mm. game there to be won, he was the guy you wanted the ball in his hands, and he came through pretty much more often than not. 
I, I think, and, and whether it's, you know, whether it's a mindset or whether he's playing a different role now, yeah, he needs to be one of the leaders of this team and he needs to be aggressive for us, both ends of the court, to be successful, I think. Yeah, he's a pretty good finisher. He, uh, when he's making his way to the bucket, slicing in, weaving, he reminds me a bit of the snake that used to play for Canberra. Um, Herb McEachin. Herb McEachin, a you're little not, bit of the way he gets to the bucket. Yeah, wow. definitely. I used to love watching him <laughs> in Canberra. Um, but, yeah, he finds his way to the bucket and finishes well. And, yeah, he... He can be a really big threat for us. I was just, I'm just looking at there. They've got a pretty decent coaching staff, don't they? And experience. Um, well, there's a reasonable amount of talent in that uh, coaching well, group. Well, apart from Andre, apart from of course. the head coach. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Andre was a very <laughs> solid player and uh, championship winner with the South East Melbourne Magic alongside me. But you've got CJ Roden and Sam McKinnon there. As Two of the greatest Australians ever. Great knowledge. Yeah, playing knowledge. And uh, I'm sure he's gonna, they're gonna provide him with a lot of support as well. So, yeah, they've got a pretty decent team on paper. Um, it'll be interesting to see how throughout the course of the season this Brisbane team go. So, sure. prediction for Saturday night? Oh, I think head Adelaide. Head or heart? No, no, no I, I think both. I think Adelaide will win. I think coming back, they've had another week to get over their jet lag. I think your first game is going to be a lot of emotion there. First game at a new venue. Um, there's not many times that you lose that game. Um, like they may have a bit of a, a drop off in game two, but I think the amount of emotion will carry them through in this first game. And I, I'm predicting Adelaide by about six. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's you're right. There's emotion as long as that's channeled in the right direction. Um, you know, hopefully there's there's an eight thousand plus strong crowd there. You know, more than what's the capacity at Titanium. Yeah. So, yeah, that's going to be exciting. Um, yeah, I, I know there's a lot of people that are very yeah, very excited about this move and seeing a new team. I guess hopefully we can, yeah, we're able to just put the last two or three weeks behind us because uh, you have to. Um, you know, you've played some, you've travelled to the other side of the world, you've played, you know, one of the teams that, that's going to be right up there in the NBA this year. You've come back, you've played one of the better teams you would think in the NBL. It's all done now. You know, we've mm. got we've got to attack this first game come out and play well and I, I think you're right I think we can win uh, by 12 so I'm going to be listening intently to your podcast weekly this will be good uh, so I want to just find out now yes and then we can see at the end of the season how <laughs> yes. it turns out yes where do you pick Adelaide finishing at the end of the season <sighs> after one game thanks very much <laughs> um, I think I think <laughs> Yeah, Perth and Melbourne United, well, Perth are going to make the playoffs because they do every year. I, I, I still think, you know, any to win a championship, you've got to go through Perth, and I would still pick them as my championship favourite. I think United are going to be right around the mark. Sydney will be interesting. They've got a lot of talent, but it's a lot of old talent, and injuries potentially could play a factor you know you've, you've got Bogut you've got Kickett you've got Lish you've got Newley you've got all these guys well on the wrong side of 30 um, but you'd have to think they'd be around the mark so you know probably the last last spot is up for grabs look the Phoenix have been unbelievably impressive uh, from what I've seen and, and have got a lot of talent you know Brisbane with Andre and the talent they've got I, I 
I would like to say that we we can challenge for that fourth spot. I'd probably have us pegged about fifth, as I see it at this moment. All right. <laughs> We'll see how that turns out. And what, yourself? <laughs> no, I don't really need to uh, pee, I wouldn't have thought. But, oh, so it's all uh, right for me yeah. to, but you're going to sit on the it's fence. It's your show. Well, it's... Uh... All right. Oh, as a guest, I will... Um, I would think... Look, Joey always does well with the talent he's got. And I think if you look on paper, talent-wise, and if you compared salaries throughout the league... Look, Joey is competing with a team salary-wise... That is in the bottom two or three teams, probably. Because you look at some of those other... And I know what some of those players are getting, and it's ridiculous. Well, it's not ridiculous. Good on them. But <laughs> I think... I, I think I, I think we could I be the second. you would say sixth at yeah. the moment. Um, if he does really well, then I think we'll scrape into the playoffs. And if we, if some of those young guys don't step up then unfortunately I think we're going to be playing off with Cairns and Illawarra for those bottom three spots. I think Cairns are probably the only team that, without having any knowledge apart from the fact, you're right, we do know what some players are getting. I doubt that we, you know, our budget is any more than, Cairns might be the only one that is spending less than us. They may not even be spending less than us. You know, Jawai and some of these guys aren't cheap either. So it's not really a level playing field and, and I think that's well, it's not something that's not for us to address it, but it is, you know, it, it's sort of a little bit beyond a joke when you can just go and buy the best players and, you know, Mitch McCarron ends up at Melbourne United and, and some of these other players end up, you know, they leave some of the lesser teams because they're just going to get a lot more money. And like you said, good luck to them. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think Joey always he gets players that play hard for him uh, and, and punch above their weight and hopefully... By season's ends, we're uh, you know we're back in the playoffs, and uh, once you're there, anything can happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that uh, that probably winds us up. Uh, thank you very much uh, to Brett Maher. You'll be able to see his name on the court Saturday night, and uh, uh, we'll be the ones at the end of the bow of the glass, red in their hand. <laughs> uh, I, I think, as Brett said, they're um, uh, they're recognising a lot of past championship players in the team, and I know that there's people. They're like that are going to be there, like Al Green and Daryl Pierce and Mike McKay, you know Peter Allies, some of the the great superstars from yesteryear. I believe uh, Martin Catalini is going to be at the game on Saturday night as well. So they're uh, recognising you know past and player championships, and it should be a good night. Um, I'd make the suggestion: get along, support the team, and uh, let's make this place a fortress. Yeah, really looking forward to it. Should be good. So, yeah, hope to see you there on Saturday night. No worries. Welcome back here to Sixers Fix. I'm Chris Pike, your co-host, but this is all about Scott Ninnis and what a fascinating chat with Brett Maher. I'm sure the two of them could have sat there for, for hours and, and had a chat, and I'm sure everyone listening would have enjoyed listening to it for as long as possible. Fantastic. Thanks for, for doing that, Scott, and thanks for... Thanks for Brett for, for joining us here on our our first ep- first episode. Like you said, when you're starting a new a new venture, you go right to the top, and and there's no no one more at the top than Brett Mar. So, fantastic way to start this 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 new podcast for us for us, Scott. And Saturday night's now getting close. What are you looking forward to Saturday against the the Brisbane Bullets from the the 36ers? Oh look, I I think with this move, it's you know 
it's exciting. A lot of people can kind of come out uh, and be really interested. And uh, but we've got to win basketball games. <laughs> you know, like the novelty is going to wear off fairly quickly if we're not winning. So I'm looking forward to coming out and seeing a, a really strong reaction to that that loss against Sydney. Which, uh, you know, as we spoke about, you don't want to put a, too much of a microscope on it. It was a bad loss. But they're coming back from that overtrees so his trip to um, uh, to, to Utah. Mm. You, you know, you need to put it behind you as quickly as possible. Come out and have a real strong showing. You know, we, we could get anywhere between eight and ten thousand yeah. people to this game. You know, we we need to make sure those people are coming back every week. You know, there's going to be the diehards that have been going for twenty five plus years, but there's going to be a lot of new supporters here. And uh, you know, I just really hope. I mean, Joey's style of game is exciting. They like to get out and run. Uh, but at the end of the day, wins are certainly going to uh, uh, you know going to help. At the end of the day. What about what about this project for us, for us, Scott? What what are you looking forward to from from this podcast this season? And is it is it something that's that's good for you to get back into basketball in some way? And like you said, like you talked about at the start of the show, um, what happened at the end of the thirty sixes was was really tough for you. Is this a is this a way for you to, to slowly sort of get back involved in, in basketball in some way? Oh, I think that's yeah, I think that's a fair comment, Chris. Um, yeah, look, 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 I I certainly there, there was some bitter moments as, as, as I've touched on and uh, I think over the last couple of years you know that's yeah you know, time heals a lot of lot of wounds and um, yeah I think the the openness of the current uh, you know current ownership and, and management of the club to get us involved again is has been you know been a breath of fresh air and and you know, tapping into some resources some people who've got you know 20 plus years involvement in the club so mm. yeah look I, I'm I, I'm sort of back on board once again, I'm excited about this move, and, and look, I, I certainly don't have any aspirations, uh, you know, to get back into to anything more than something like this. Um, you know, coaching is, is been and gone. Unfortunately, it uh, didn't last quite as long as what I what I wanted it to. But um, you know, I've, I've got my small business uh, uh, family. Uh, it's nice to be able to do that in my home state, and. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to just be, I guess, a fan again and be able to watch watch a team and and see what they're able to put out on the court and enjoy it and and be behind them every step of the way. Fantastic, and I'm I'm looking forward to sharing the journey with you. Let's hope all the all the Adelaide basketball fans get get right behind behind this show because we're we're here for, we're here for them. Let's be honest, we're here to to give them some some sort of insight and and some background and and something that you can't get anywhere else with somebody like like you, Scott, who can can catch up with players like like Brett. Thanks again to Brett for joining us tonight, but also the current players and yeah, it's going to be going to be a fun ride. And let's not forget Saturday at the Entertainment Centre. Make sure you're there. Get your tickets at Ticket Tech, and that's all. Let's do it all over again next week, Scott. Looking forward to it, Chris. Thanks very much.